This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you would like more information about Christian Chapel, please visit christianchapel.com. Christmas is is over, right? And so for some of us, it's a oh, and for others, it's a oh, thank you, Jesus. We made it through another year. I, how many of you still have a Christmas celebration uh, left? Anybody? You got, yeah, some of the New Year's Eve type We've got Angie's mom and brother coming in later this week, but uh, we've had a blast this year. It's been our first year hosting all of my family, so I'm one of four kids. So uh, we peaked on Friday and Saturday. I think we had 17 uh, all staying at our house, and nine of those were 10 and under. Uh, so if, if there's just random yelling this morning, uh, you'll know it's just I've got a little PTSD from, um, from the weekend. But we had, a, had an absolute absolute blast. And you know, all of the Christmas traditions, all of your Christmas celebrations, um, they're all fun. They're all enjoyable. But especially today with our kids in with us for a family worship Sunday, I think uh, we'll just be real honest about the best part of celebrating Christmas. And what is it? Gifts. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Everyone's like, can I actually, I mean, Jesus is probably the answer because we're in church, but I really think it's presents. It's okay to say presents. Like, that's, that's fine. It's, it's good to say, like, there's nothing more enjoyable. Like, that's what you lead with when you're talking. If you talked to any little kids this morning, you didn't walk up to them and be like, hey, what was your favorite food that you had at Christmas lunch? Right? You didn't ask that. You didn't ask them, what is your favorite Christmas carol that they made you sing before they opened presents? None of that. What, you, what did you ask them? You asked them, what did you get? right? What'd you get? What did Santa bring you? What did your parents get you? What did, you know, you're just asking, what, what came in? What did you get? And what you notice as you, as you get older, typically, is at some point that the focus of Christmas starts to shift from what am I getting to what am I giving? And your greater sense of joy hopefully eventually shifts to uh, watching other people open the gifts you've bought for them as opposed to just opening the gifts that they've bought for you. And so um, I, don't, I don't mean to brag, well, I mean, maybe a little bit, but this year, Angie and I, like, we, uh, we nailed it with the gifts for our kids. It was a good, like, there were, there were lots of the excited faces. There was the, like, manic ripping of the paper once I got a glimpse of what was inside there. And for me, that's really, really important because I was really having this battle this year of, uh, you know, we had given in to one of the greatest scams in American culture of the American Girl doll, which, I mean, I know some of you love it, but let's just be honest. It's a, it's a giant scam, right? They are just, like, we got an American Girl doll magazine in the mail the day after Christmas for all the stuff to go with your doll. Like, can you give it, you know, at a certain point, it's like, Audrey, you can go to college or you can have the doll stuff. But, you know, so she's going to have a great pretty doll, but, uh, so marry well. Uh, but, you know, just, there, there's all of this. But even still, even for me, with some of the Scrooge tendencies I have, watching my kids open those gifts and seeing the look of surprise on their face, and it's the equal delight of here are some of the things that we asked for and we were really hoping for, and then the, the other surprise of like, I didn't even know I was getting that, but it's perfect. And for Angie and I, the, the delight in watching our kids open the gifts is seeing that like, it's affirmation that we really know our kids. We know the things that make their hearts come alive. We know the things that, that make their eyes big and they make big smiles. And, and we love giving those to them. And, and as, a, as you grow 
uh, as you grow up, basically, that becomes one of the highlights of Christmas. And I know it's really easy um, for the whole gift-giving process to kind of go off the rails, and we feel like, well, it's just it's become too materialistic. There's not enough focus on focus on Jesus as the as God's gift to us, and and it can be tempting at times to just kind of minimize the gift-giving process. But what I'd really encourage you is don't. Like, embrace the gift-giving process, enjoy it with your family, but do it with a, a reminder in your heart and doing the best you can to explain it to your kids especially that, hey, we give gifts, and the joy we feel in getting them and the joy we feel in, in, uh, in giving them to others is directly related to the joy God feels when he gives Jesus Christ to us. Like, that's the greatest thing in the world, and so may we never as Christians become the, the in an effort to honor Christ at Christmas becomes Scrooge who actually takes all the fun out of Christmas, right? Like honor the, honor the gift giving, do it, enjoy it, have fun with it. And, and especially if you are like me and you've got a, a younger brother who has little boys now, enjoy the gift giving process. It is so, I have a little brother who's three years younger than me. And just to be honest, he's annoying. Um, He's not here this morning, so I'll, I'll uh, just be, tell you. So he's three years younger than me. Angie and I obviously got married first. We had kids first. And so he was the, uh, what my kids thought was the fun uncle. You know, every year for Christmas, if it, like, if it came from Philip, it made lots of noise. It had flashing lights. It went through batteries like crazy. And my kids would be delighted. And I would just give him the death stare from across the room. Like, seriously, that's what you, just wait. Just wait. So this year, he now has a five-year-old boy and a three-year-old boy, and Angie and I drew Tyler, his oldest boy, for Christmas. And um, we, we texted to say, hey, what does Tyler want? And I, my brother, I don't know if he was on drugs or what, but he said he wants a gun that makes loud noises. And I just thought, thank you, Jesus. Like, this is a divine appointment for me to just so much, so much payback. So we, um, we went out and we went shopping and we walked in the front door of Target and it was one of those holy moments like angels singing, the light shining down because Tyler is a huge Minions fan. And right at the very front of the store was the Minions fart gun. And I know that's crude and I know that's offensive, but it is awesome as well. And so we didn't even look. It was just like, grab that, throw it in the cart. That's what Tyler's getting. And so on, on Christmas Day, we're just waiting. And we had told all our kids what we're gone. And so Tyler's finally opening. Everybody's looking. And everybody's watching Tyler. But I'm watching my brother. And so Tyler opens it. And he's like, a fart gun! And he was so excited. And you could see the look on my brother. And my poor sister-in-law, she's the sweetest girl in the world, but she has poor judgment because she married him. So it's kind of, this goes with it, you know? And, and so you could see that the excitement on Tyler's face was equally matched by the horror on Philip's face of just like, oh my goodness, seriously, what are you doing? And so, I mean, just the rest of Christmas Day was just, you know, constantly all around. It made, and I, I showed him like, hey, Tyler, here's the ways you need to use it. Here are the places you can use it. Here's the, like, be sure you take that to school. Your teacher's gonna wanna see, you know, just everything I could do. And then yesterday they were loading up the car and getting ready to go back to, to Fort Worth. And uh, Tyler came in. He was like, my batteries are dead. So that's okay, buddy. So we went in, we changed out, put some nice fresh batteries in there so he could have it for the, the whole ride home. But it's just this, you know, that, that's kind of a, not the same joy I think that God feels in sending Jesus to us. But all of this process of giving gifts, especially of giving the gifts, I think is intended to point us back and point our hearts back towards the joy God feels in revealing Jesus to us 
as his personal gift to each one of us. Right? John 3.16 is probably the most well-known, most often quoted passage in the entire New Testament. And what does it tell us? It tells us that Jesus is God's gift to us. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's one of those scriptures where I think our familiarity with it can cause us to lose sight of really the, the great and powerful meaning that is being communicated there. You know, I think sometimes we suffer, especially some of my, my friends and family members who aren't following Jesus, especially if they grew up in the church. Sometimes they have this misperception that, uh, you know, well, I know how I'm supposed to live according to what the church or the Bible says, and I know I'm not living that way. And so because of either the way they grew up or just the way they kind of in, have interpreted all that, they, un, they go on to think, well, if God's mad at me because I'm not meeting his standard, then I just won't worry about him and I'll go on and do what I want. And the kind of this picture of God is like this angry old man of just, you're not following the rules, I don't like you. And it's just this really terrible misperception of him because the scriptures make it very, very clear to us. God gives Jesus to us because he loves us. And think of your own gift giving. Like the, the sending of Christ to the world as God's gift to us is God's eternal statement that I love you, I'm for you. You don't give extravagant gifts to people that you hate, right? I mean, think of your list this year. Like most likely the best gift you gave were to the people you love the most. And if you have multiple children, I hope it wasn't obvious which one it was, you know, so rethink next year. But, um, you know, typically though, like the, the people that are low on your list, the coworkers and neighbors, maybe some extended family members that you don't particularly care for, you're not putting a ton of time and effort and, and, and expense into getting them a really extravagant gift. But the people you love the most, you give the best you can, right? And this is what God does for us in Jesus. Because if, if we really believe and God is our creator, if we believe in our sin and the offense it is against him, if we believe in the, the incarnation, the coming of Christ, God becoming flesh and making his dwelling among us, and if we believe in the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, if we believe in all of that, then at the end of that, we cannot still say, God doesn't love me. Like there, there is so much proof, so much abundant proof that he does, but the, the, the truth that's communicated in that passage only has power for us as it becomes personal to us. This year, um, my mom, for Christmas, she got all of our family, the, the, the big present was uh, tickets to the Thunder game tonight. And so we're gonna drive over to Oklahoma City and we're gonna enjoy it with all the nieces and nephews and my siblings and, and their spouses. And, and we're just gonna, we're gonna have a lot of fun. And, you know, it was, it was great because everybody's done. She's like, oh, I've got one more thing in here and passes along the envelopes and everybody opens them up and, and you can see as they're starting to read and realize what it is. And then there's like screaming and there's high fives and there's jumping and there's some of this kind of fist pumping. And then Angie finally calmed down and we were all able to see what our, not really, but, but the boys especially were just like, yes, yes. This is, but their excitement wasn't over the ticket, right? Like, yes, grandma got us paper. The excitement's over what the ticket represents. You know, maybe in your family it was different. Maybe it was tickets to go see Star Wars. Maybe it was something else. But, but in all of those, anytime you're buying a ticket to a big event and you open it and you see it, the excitement is over what that ticket gives you access to, 
what you're going to experience. So for us, it means we're going to go over there and we're going to cheer for Durant and Westbrook and we're going to yell at the refs and we're going to do all the things that you do as a basketball game and we're going to do them together as a family and it's going to be awesome. But if we never used it, it wouldn't be that fun. Like if we had just said, oh, hey, thanks. Now, kids, let me take this and we'll go frame it and we'll put it on your dresser so you can always remember. But we didn't go to the game. It's a worthless gift. You know, at some level, every gift has to be used, right? Gifts that are just, maybe you got something for Christmas this year that you, were, you did the fake like, oh, thank you. Where'd you buy this? Because you're taking it back this week, you know, or oh, they're with little kids. I remember times with our little kids, they'd open something, they'd be like, mom, I already have this. Why did grandma buy? Shh, just say thank you, say thank you. And you're helping them learn. But every time a gift is unused, on, on some level, it's a failure either on behalf of the giver or the recipient or sometimes both. And like for us to get the full value of my mom's gift to our family, we have to get in the car and go over to the Chesapeake Arena and walk inside and enjoy the game. Like that's what it's for. And it's the same way with God's gift of Christ to us. Like it's a wonderful truth on its own. But if that's all it remains, kind of like we talked about on Christmas Eve, as long as Christ only remains a tradition, he'll never be our source of transformation. And all through Advent, we talked about how Jesus changes everything, and we heard from Rennie and Brian and Nick about how he changes our fears and our past and our worst moments. But the thing that we, we saw in each one of their stories that we see in the scriptures that we know is true in our own lives is the power of Christ. It, it really comes and changes us when we allow it to be personal. When the truth of God so loved the world that he gave his only son, when that whoever is replaced with my name, that's where it becomes powerful. It's powerful where it's personal. And so we kind of begin to walk into this new way. But the, the good news of receiving Jesus as God's big gift to us is that it then enters us into a life where we receive a thousand smaller gifts as well. Recently, Angie and I have started playing uh, the, the Would You Rather game with our kids at dinner. And, uh, you know, honestly, it's a, it's a big attempt to get them to just sit still at the table for a while. But uh, so you've probably played that before. Would you rather? And you give them two options and then they pick and, and sometimes they'll explain why. And it's, it's a fun way to see the way your kids' minds work. Sometimes it's a disturbing way to see the way your kids' minds work and, and you know how to pray for them more. But, uh, you know, so last week, the week before Christmas, we were asking them for Christmas, would you rather get one big awesome gift or get about 10 smaller gifts that, that they're nice, but they're not quite as awesome as that. And so it was fun for us to hear their answers and to hear their choice and to hear the reasoning behind it. And, and, uh, but, I, but I think sometimes we can view this gift of Christ kind of through the same lens, like it's an either-or choice. I either get to choose Jesus as God's great gift to me, the source of my eternal salvation, my hope, all those things, and I, I live for him in this world, or... I can kind of do what I want over here and have fun. And I can, I can do things that bring me comfort. I can do things that bring me pleasure. I can spend my money where I want. I can do what I want with my relationships, with my time, with my kids, with my schedule. You know, but, but maybe I don't know if it's the fault of the church, if it's the fault of just the way we understand things at times. But sometimes there's like this, this false dilemma that's been created of I either choose Jesus or I choose the good stuff in the world, but there's no way to have both. What I want us to think about this morning is not only is, is Jesus God's great gift to us who comes to bring us eternal salvation, but Jesus tells us in John 10 that he also comes to bring us life to the full. 
an abundant life, the fullness of life. And so what I want to think about uh, for our last few minutes this morning is, as we say yes to Jesus, as God's big gift here, it brings us into a life where, where we're defined by the continual discovery of all of God's other gifts in the world. And as they come and they serve under Jesus as Lord and we discover them and we begin to use them, we'll find that our heart comes alive in some really good and really exciting ways. The Apostle Paul writes about this the most. He says in, uh, both in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and also in Ephesians 4, he gives kind of these, these lists of gifts that God gives to the church, that he gives to us as individuals. And it's, it's not an exhaustive list, but it's just kind of representative. Hey, here's some of the things God gives us. And so this morning, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, and just kind of consider some of those. Paul writes, we have different gifts according to the grace, God, the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, if, if it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul teaches us here in, in Romans 12, again in 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, you can read all those later today. But he's teaching us that, look, when you come to Christ, God gives you gifts. And a lot of those times, those are some gifts that you've had even before you became a follower of Jesus. It's, they're just, some of them are innate in, the, innate in the way God wired you. This is how he made you to excel in some of these areas. But what he teaches us, and especially in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, is that for us to be whole as a church, for us to present an accurate picture of Christ to the world, we all need to be using our gifts together. And so he uses the, the, uh, the picture of the human body, and he says, look, somebody's got to be a hand, somebody's a finger, somebody's an ear, somebody's a leg, and we only are whole with Christ as our head when we are all accepting Jesus as God's greatest gift, and then we're discovering and using our gifts for his glory. And what you, what you find if you follow Jesus very long is one of the, the best parts of following him is as you begin to discover these gifts that he's given you, and you begin to use them. Because you don't use them as, a, as a, a slave who gets no enjoyment from your work. But what you realize is as you use them, you are God's child and he has given you things that will make your heart come alive as you discover them and as you exercise them. But Paul makes it, it very, very clear to us. He says, look, when you figure it out, then you got to do it. You know, think of, think of you when you give a gift, especially if you're giving a gift uh, that has a, a specific use. Like if you gave a gift to a, a bike to a child this year, you want to see them ride it, right? You don't want it to sit in the garage the whole time. If you gave a, a hoverboard to your kid this year, like you want to ride it. Uh, but, but maybe, maybe you want them to ride it too. But mostly, you know, some dads, you've done that before of like, you're going to love this. I'm going to love it too. Uh, but anyways, if you, if you gave someone a, a bread machine, you want some homemade cinnamon rolls this year, right? Like you, don't put that under the cupboard. Get it out. Let's get it to you. So if you gave your husband some tools this year, you're praying to God that he will finally become the handyman you dreamed he would be. Uh, in all these things, though, when you give someone a gift that has a specific use, your joy in giving that gift is complete when you see the person actually using it. 
And that's kind of what Paul is telling us here in Romans chapter 12, that look, God has given you these gifts, and it's, it's his joy to give Christ to us. It's his joy to give us these other gifts in life. But his joy is made complete, and our joy will be made complete as we use the gifts that he's given to us. He's basically telling us, look, as you discover what God's grace has enabled you to do, then do it. And he puts it so clearly. He says, if it's prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's leading, do it diligently. If it's mercy, do it cheerfully. It's not just this idea of, okay, well, fine, I'll do it. But it's do it with a recognition that this is a sign of God's grace in your life. This is God's specific gift to you. And as you exercise it and as you use it, your heart will come alive. His kingdom will be made famous. And, and so I think what's important for us to, to stop and consider then is what has God called us to do? And are we doing it? What has God gifted me to do? And am I doing it? Because when you, when you really start to understand this is just how God has wired me, this is how God has made me, you're going to seek out opportunities to do these things. Like Paul doesn't say, if your gift is serving, wait for someone to call and ask you to volunteer. He says, if your gift is serving, then serve. He doesn't say, if your gift is giving, wait for someone to offer to name something after you. He says, if it's giving, give generously, right? He doesn't say, if your gift is leading, Wait for kind of a visible position. Just says, hey, do it diligently. His point is, when you know the responsibility's on you to do it, to not sit around to wait for, excuse, for an invitation, to not make excuses for why you're not doing it, but just, hey, when you know, do it. You know, we're currently in the, the process of looking for a new youth pastor at Christian Chapel. Stephen, our, our old youth pastor, serving at a, a church as lead pastor down in Nashville now. And so for a couple months now, we've been just, I mean, so many resumes are coming in and we're sorting through them and, and praying about it. And there's a committee who's going to help us with that and, and just really praying and trying to discern who the Lord is leading us to for this, this important job at our church. But one of the things that um, I ask each candidate, you know, if, if they kind of make it through and, and we're looking for it from the first resume they send and talking to them about it all the way through the process is, have you ever done this for free? Like, you're telling us on paper, hey, God's equipped me to teach. God, I'm a, maybe they're a worship leader. Maybe they love to do different things. But, you know, and they, they all talk about, you know, God's really called me to invest in the next generation. And so what we're looking for on their resume first is, have you done that? You know, and not necessarily have you done this in a paid position at another church, but have you served in a local church? Have you invested in your community in these ways? Because uh, honestly, kind of my view and, and, and our, our staff and board's view is, if you've never served God for free, why the heck would we pay you to do it? Like, if you're going to tell me, God has gifted me to teach, but I'm waiting for a paycheck to do it, I don't think you really understand that God's gifts are a sign of his grace to us. And in his grace, he may allow you one day to, to receive some benefit from it, but, but the primary sign that we understand God's grace is that we give it away for free. God has gifted me to do this, so I do it. So, so we ask all the time, like, hey, how are you doing this? Where have you served? Where have you volunteered? And not just in the church, but outside the church as well. Because again, as long as we restrict the expression of God's gifts to things that will personally benefit us, we're not really understanding that his gifts are a sign of his grace in our life. 
You know, and it was, this was a lesson I had to, to learn personally as well, not, not so much on the volunteer side, but on the side of uh, God's gifts for me can't just be restricted to my job as a pastor. You know, there was, I remember probably, it's probably been five or six years ago now, and I would read through a passage like this, and, and I could see, well, yeah, serving, I, I serve at the church all the time, okay. Uh, teaching, yep, do that. You know, I was upstairs with the teenagers, teaching them every Sunday and Wednesday night. Leading, yep, do that. You know, I've got these specific roles here. Uh, it, but then there, there came a point where just kind of several circumstances, and it, and it was all kind of centered around our kids, of, where I started to realize, like, I've, I've got to stop restricting my expression of God's gift to my role as a pastor, and it's got to start extending into my role as a, a father of my kindergartner in their classroom at school. You know, like, it's great to serve at church. I need to go serve at the Christmas party at their school. Or this idea of, of leading and teaching, like those sound very, very spiritual. And I remember sitting at basketball practices when they were in kindergarten and first grade, and, and I'd made excuses of why I couldn't help because I was so busy and all these types of things. And it, it literally took about 30 minutes of the first practice. And this poor mom, she had signed up because no one else would do it. And she was out there with this binder trying to read through things and tell the boys, okay, you, you stand here, you stand here. You stand, okay, now it says a layup. What's a layup? And I was sitting on the side just thinking, oh, dear Jesus, my child is never going to learn. And I sat there for, for a moment, and it, it was like, I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you've said something to other people a thousand times, and suddenly it's like, oh, that applies to me too. If you're called to lead, do it diligently. If you're called to teach, then teach. And it was just that, I don't even, I mean, God didn't speak or anything. It was partially probably uh, the prompting of the Holy Spirit and partially my fear that my kids would never learn to play basketball the right way. But I got off that bench. I was like, look, I'll help you. I'll do it. You go sit down. I got it from here. And she was just like, thank you. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. And so for years now, that's what I've spent my winters doing is, hey, Leading and teaching is not just here, but it's, it's on the basketball court, and it's in the neighborhood, and it's in the kids' school. And, and as you start to reflect on the way God has gifted you, I want to encourage you. Obviously, we want the gifts on display in the local church, but they also need to be on display in the community. They need to be on display in your family. Like, if God has gifted you to teach, you should be teaching your children doesn't mean you have to homeschool. You can, I mean, you, thank goodness it doesn't because, man, our kids would, uh, uh, but we, we, God might call some of you to do that. But for the rest of us, you should be teaching your kids something. You should be teaching people around you. You should be leading. You should be serving. If he's called you to do it, if he's gifted you to do it, there's no restriction on the expression of those gifts. So look for opportunities to do it and invest in them and do them well and do them often. Three questions here for you to think about at the end of the year. The first, how did I respond to Jesus in 2015? So here's what I want you to, want you to think about. Whether you are a long-time Christian or you're not really sure or maybe you, you're pretty sure you know what it's about and you've just chosen to not participate in that. What I want you to think about is if all of this is true, if God is a creator, if he makes all things, he, he creates all things, he sends Jesus as his son to restore our relationship with him, if that is his big gift to the world, what did you do with that in 2015? How did you respond to it? Did you receive it with joy 
Did you put it to use? Did you allow it to become powerful as it became personal? Or are you just kind of keeping it at an arm's length of that's for a later season in life, that's not for me today, that's nice, but it's just not my thing? And really think about that and just, just answer it as honestly as you can this week. The second one, how did I use God's gifts in 2015? Now again, if this idea of every gift we have is a sign of God's grace to us, then if God has given freely and abundantly to me, how did I use those in 2015? Did I use them in service to him? Did I use them to make him famous in the world? Or was I, was I simply looking for ways to capitalize on them for my own profit or my own benefit? Or did I not use them at all because I was, I was afraid of what would happen if I took that step? Or did I not use them because I was constantly making excuses of, well, no one asked me to do this or no one will give me an opportunity to do this? And then the last thing, what do I need to change for 2016? As you think about Christ as God's big gift, as you think about all the smaller ways that he's gifted you, what needs to be different in the coming year? What part of your heart needs to change so that Christ can be glorified as you receive him as God's gift and as you use all of the lesser gifts he's blessed you with to make him famous in the world? And just kind of take some time this week to think about those things, to explore them, to listen to what the Spirit says to you. Ryan, if you guys want to come back, they're going to lead us uh, just real briefly through the, the first song they did today, that Go Tell It on the Mountain song. We always love to repeat the first song at Christian Chapel because so many of you didn't know we did it. Um, I mean, you know, 1045 means 1045, not 1055. But, but who's counting? Who's keeping track? Who knows? Uh, no, but it's, it's just a fun version. And, and what I want you to think about as we sing it is this idea, you know, it's a, it's a great Christmas song that we sing every year. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And so always in, in receiving Christ as God's gift and expressing our gifts, there's always a verbal proclamation to it. There's always a point at which we say with our mouth, Christ has come. But what I also want you to think about is in the coming year, I, you should announce that in your relationships. You should verbalize that in your conversations. But as you receive God's grace, and as you see the gifts he's given you, whether you're in second grade or you're 75 years old, you are announcing Christ has come. When a little kid who, who loves art is just there and they're drawing and they're making things, they're using the gifts God has given them. And when an 80-year-old is drawing and making things, they're using the gifts that God has given them. And as they use those in service to others, as they use those to make Jesus famous in the world, they're showing the world, Christ has come. It's made a difference for me. It'll make a difference for you. And so whatever your gifts are, my prayer for you in the, the coming year is that you will use them boldly, you will use them joyfully, and there will be no place or no person that you're too good to share your gifts with. You know, I re, um, I've reached the point, which is interesting because I'm only in my mid-30s, but I've reached the point where I talk with guys who are, are just starting out as pastors. And it's funny to me that they come to me for advice because I'm like, I don't call Greg. I don't know. You know, like whatever I do, he did better. So just talk to him. But, but one of the things that they'll ask me at times is, hey, I really, like, I really, I, and sometimes they'll use real spiritual language. I have a passion to preach the word. I'm like, okay, stop saying that. Um, 
nobody talks like that, so stop. But, and then I'll, I'll ask him, well, where are you doing that? Like, are you leading a Bible study? Are you leading a small group? Are you leading, they're like, well, my pastor won't let me preach on Sunday mornings. Well, I wouldn't either. You're a bad preacher. Like, where are you doing it? Where are you serving? Where are you giving? And, and, and every, the thing sometimes with the use of our gifts is we, we want to wait for the spotlight moment to use them. But the message of the gospel is God's in every moment. He's in the lowlies and the not. I mean, my, my first sermons were in nursing homes where literally everyone slept through the, and I'm, I'm not being mean, I'm not, but, but honestly, but it was a wonderful experience for me just of getting in front of people. You know, I remember teaching in our, our children's church when I was in high school, and that, that was great experience for me because if God has gifted you to teach, then teach regardless of how old you are. And it was a wonderful experience because when you're 15 and you're talking to seven-year-olds, if it's dumb, they'll tell you it's dumb. If it's boring, they throw stuff at you. And so it was, it was wonderful. I remember being in eighth grade and leading a Bible study at my school. And it was that moment of like, does this really, has God actually called me to do this? Because it's kind of terrifying. Like these are my friends. And, and if I say this stuff, I'm, I should probably live it out. Kind of those, those scary moments. And so sometimes the exercise of God's gifts, it can be intimidating, but just really want to encourage you, wherever you are, just start doing it. If he's called you to serve, then serve. If he's called you to give, then give. If he's called you to show mercy, show mercy. And don't do it begrudgingly, but do it joyfully. This is God's gift to you. It's a source of life for you. And as you exercise it, it will be a source of life for the world around us. So if you'll stand with me, I want to pray for us, and then they'll lead us in this final song. God, we thank you for your power and your presence in our lives. We thank you that Christ has come to us, that we have an opportunity to receive him as your great gift extended to us. So Lord, help us to receive him joyfully. As we surrender to him, Lord, we ask that your spirit would come and begin to show us all the lesser graces, all the other signs of your abundant provision in our life. To those who have been called to teach, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them to teach. To those who have been called to serve, may they serve. To those who have been gifted to give, may they give generously. To those who have been gifted to be encouragers, may they encourage constantly. And Lord, we pray that as we exercise the gifts you have given to us, that people will see you and respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If content from this podcast was meaningful to you, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us at christianchapel.com.